This is uh, the last of the eight Beatitudes today. We'll return to the Sermon on the Mount, uh, past the Beatitudes, um, after the annual meeting. When's the annual meeting? January 30, 2022, which is just around the corner. Uh, we'll have one service here in Walloon. All three campuses will be gathered at 1030. So that's uh, what's happening. Uh, next Sunday, we begin a four-week series uh, called Seeing God's Heart for God's Church. Seeing God's Heart for God's Church. This has literally been in the works, right, Chad, for over two years. We've been working on what we're going to present to you uh, starting next Sunday. Uh, we'll be talking next Sunday about the most important values at all three campuses. I personally will be at the East Jordan campus. Uh, Pastor Brant will be here. Pastor John will be up in Lansing, but we'll be sharing the most important values. It's critical that all three campuses are in alignment on the mission of making disciples. And uh, we're excited to share with you where God has led us. So that's uh, exciting and important and you don't want to miss the next four Sundays. We're back in Matthew 5 today. Uh, we've seen these last seven weeks that God's approval, his applause, his smile, his congratulations, God's blessing is on our lives when? Let's just go back and, and look, slide up to verse 3. When we are poor in spirit, when we mourn, God's blessing is on us, when we're meek, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, God's applause is on our lives when we are merciful, when we are pure in heart. Uh, last week we saw God, God's uh, smile is on us when we're peacemakers, waging peace. Today we're in verse 10. Uh, this is the eighth and final beatitude. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs, okay? So uh, th this is an interesting one. Did you catch what he just said? As children of the king of the universe, God blesses us when we face persecution. Now that's kind of a strange word, is it not? It literally means when people are pursuing or chasing or harassing us because we live and love Jesus. Got it? That's the definition. People are chasing, harassing, pursuing us uh, because we're living strong for Jesus. Jesus is saying here, in effect, blessed are those who are being harassed. Blessed are those when we're being harassed because we're living strong for Jesus. No, uh, I don't know about you, but I just need to pause for a moment and, and just let that soak in. Okay, we're followers of the king of the universe who created everything, all of the hundreds of billions of galaxies, each containing hundreds of billions of stars. That's our creator. He sustained us uh, all these years, Colossians 1, 15 to 17. And then Jesus, through his shed blood on the cross, built the bridge to eternal life. 
And here's the truth. Most of us watching online, most of us here today in person, we've crossed that bridge by faith. And now we're born again. We're following King Jesus, our creator and sustainer. So here's my question. Why, why must we, followers of the king, be chased and beaten and imprisoned and shot and yelled at and harassed and whipped and fired from our jobs and even killed? Do you understand? It's a bit confusing in your head because you're saying, wow, we have this awesome creator who lives right here. Why on earth do we have to go through all of this, this ugliness, this pain? And I want to give you the answer, okay? Because Jesus gives us the answer. The answer is found in John 15, verses 18 to 20. So here's, here's the answer that Jesus gives to answer the why. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you're no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me naturally, they're going to persecute you. Uh, the reason the world hates us is because we don't belong to it anymore. We now belong to Jesus. The Apostle Paul turned Jesus' words into a promise. 1 Timothy 3.12 Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you ready, will suffer persecution. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus is going to suffer. 1 John 3.13 warns us simply, so don't be surprised if the world hates you. Don't be surprised, church at Walloon, if the world hates you you okay uh, let me put it this way if we choose to live out the seven beatitudes that we've already looked at then eventually the eighth is guaranteed does that make sense so if you live out you live the way that we've been studying these past seven weeks then guaranteed you're at some point going to experience the eighth one people will chase after us when we're chasing after jesus People will chase after us when we're chasing after Jesus. That's a simple way to remember it. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked, church at Walloon. Don't be caught off guard when painful trials and troubles come knocking at your door. And I just have a question. How many of you in the last year or two can say, you know what? I, there's been some painful, troubling, discouraging stuff going on in my life. Can I see any hands? Can I see, just be honest, yeah, most, anybody else? Okay, now I can see you. Okay, here's the truth. We're, we're promised trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Okay, now there's a good end to that verse, but that's the reality, okay? And I'm just telling you, I think many of us have been caught off guard these last two years. 2020, 2021. We're like, wow, what is going on? This world is going nuts. And I'm just telling you, much of what we're going to look at is explained here, okay? Stand with me, please, if you're able. And we're going to read out loud together the eight Beatitudes that if by God's grace we're able to live out the first seven, guess what? Persecution 
will eventually occur. It's a promise, not one we want to grab a hold of. Read with me. We'll start with verse 3. Read down through verse 12. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we just got to admit, uh, this, this last beatitude is really strange. And uh, living in America in 2021, the truth is most of us don't even understand. We've never seen much persecution. So we're going to need your help today to understand what's going on here. We're pretty unfamiliar with this. Lord, we need to hear today from your inspired words. This is the greatest sermon that's ever been preached and Lord, I pray that we might believe this warning and embrace this warning that you've given us. And uh, Lord, help us to live strong in a world that's increasingly becoming hostile to people of faith. I just want to pause. Today is uh, the Persecuted Church Sunday, Lord. I, I think uh, your timing is incredible. And I want to pray for the church family in Cuba in Egypt, and Iran, and China, and Laos. I pray for the church in Afghanistan, in India, in Syria, and Saudi Arabia, and Pakistan. And Lord, I, I just pray for over 350 million followers of your son who are under attack. Lord, I pray that uh, those who are being jailed uh, being uh, discriminated, ugly against, some even dying because of their faith. Lord, would you bring hope and strength and encouragement even right now? I pray, Lord, that you might uh, give them the strength to endure the pain and the tears and the suffering that they're facing. And Lord, I also want to pray for us, your church here in northern Michigan, that you would prepare our hearts and our minds Lord, we want to live strong for your son, Jesus, even if it costs us something, especially if it costs us something. May your word and your spirit have freedom now to work. We welcome you today in your church and all the church family at Walloon said with one hope-filled voice. Amen. Nice job. <laughs> nice job. The real tragedy in the U.S. in 2021 is not that we're facing intense persecution. We'll talk about that later, but we're not. 
The real tragedy in the church in America today is not is that it's not happening more. You understand? That that's the it should be happening a lot more than it is. And the reason that we're not experiencing more trouble, more suffering, more persecution is because we tend to drift to one of two extremes. We tend to go to one extreme or another. Uh, we withdraw into holy huddles, and in effect, we're cut off from the unsaved, the unchurched world. So we're pretty safe when we're in our little holy huddle, and therefore there's not much of being pursued or harassed or being persecuted. Um, here's a revealing question. How many sinners would call you their friend? And if you don't have any good answers, no names are, are popping, then probably you're toward this extreme, and, and you're probably in a holy huddle. And, and it's pretty safe here, and, and there's not going to be much attack when you don't have any sinners that you rub shoulders with. Or, holy huddle, or we drift to the other extreme where we adopt the world's morals and standards and activities. What do you mean by that? Um, we listen to the same music. I could name some names. I won't. Um, <clears throat> we watch the same movies on Netflix and YouTube and HBO. We laugh at the same coarse, dirty stuff. We cut corners. We fudge the truth just like the world does. And we rarely, if ever, talk about Jesus or the Bible, Bible or a new life in Christ. So, uh, we live in that way, and the unchurched around us just assume we're one of them. Because we blend in so well, they just think, well, you're, you're just like us. Imagine a guy who starts a new job, really profane people in this workplace, gets home, his wife asks him how it went, he says, it went terrific. They never guessed I was a Christian. As long as people have no reason to believe that we're obedient followers of Jesus, no need to worry about persecution. Why? Because we're living and speaking and behaving just like them, just like the world. Um, we're going to look at this passage in February, when we resume the Sermon on the Mount. But if you just slide down in your Bibles, um, look at uh, Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. In case you think I just made up those two extremes, I didn't. I got them from these verses that follow. Uh, the first, he says, don't allow the salt of your life to get dirty. Don't allow your life to get trampled so that you lose the flavor of Jesus and your life for Jesus is worthless. That would be this extreme. Don't allow your, your salt to get so dirty that you're not making a difference. You don't look any different. And then he says, second, don't withdraw into your holy huddle and put the light of Jesus under a bowl so that nobody can see your light. That's the two extremes that Jesus gives following this. Uh, the more we walk daily with Jesus, the more we stay connected to Christ, abide with Christ, put his armor on, get filled with the Spirit, 
the more we're in right relationship with our king, okay, and then intentionally rub shoulders with unchurched Harry and Mary, watch out. Do you understand? That's the idea. If you're full of Jesus and now you intentionally live your life where you're splashing Jesus on the people around you, you will be misunderstood. You will be laughed at. You will be ostracized and gossiped about. The people who live this way, it's going to cost us to follow and live strong for Jesus. Or people will chase us when we chase after Jesus. That, that's the idea here. When, when we're chasing strong after Jesus and we're living that way, uh, strongly out, out in the world, people will chase and harass us. If you're here this morning and you rarely get harassed, if it rarely costs you anything to live strong for Jesus, are you ready? Pull your toes in for a second, okay? There's a good chance that either your salt is dirty. <laughs> There's a good chance you've so blended in to this fallen world that the world doesn't see any difference in your life. And they're not going to attack that because you're behaving and talking just like them. Or you've so withdrawn from the world, you've put your light under the bushel or the bowl. Nobody can see Jesus because you're in a holy huddle all the time. So, when you find the biblical balance and you're not withdrawing and hiding and you're not allowing your salt to get trampled in the mud and the manure of this fallen sinful world, there's a promise, okay? And now let's look what Jesus says. Both Jesus and Paul give us this, it says, trouble and persecution and insults and lies and ridicule will come knocking at your door. So you're thinking, man, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I want to come out of my holy huddle. I'm not, I'm not really sure I want to get my salt clean because the result will be people will chase us and harass us when we're chasing after Jesus. That's a promise. Now, Let's just be honest, here in America, it doesn't mean that you're going to prison, at least at this point, because we follow Jesus strong. It doesn't mean that you're going to be martyred uh, because of our faith. And can I just say, we just prayed for 350 plus Jesus followers throughout the world. For them, it could mean going to jail. It could mean being martyred, okay? Uh, the word persecution means being pursued, harassed, ridiculed, made fun of. will be the object of their jokes. Let's just get specific. Some people will say, don't, don't invite them. Don't invite the Ellis's. They're killjoys. They're followers of Jesus. Uh, we won't get invited to their parties anymore. We'll be passed up for promotions. Why? Because who wants this strong follower of Jesus uh, as our boss, we will be looked down upon socially unacceptable if we live strong for the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe we need to prepare ourselves and our children and our spouses and our family to live in a world that's becoming increasingly hostile to followers of Jesus. That's the truth. 
I think we're sensing the heat's getting turned up a bit, and you can feel that people aren't just, oh, you're a Christian? Okay, you're one of the good ones. It's sometimes just the opposite. You're a Christian, you're one of those, and people don't want anything to do with us. So, let's dig in a little more. What are the reasons for persecution? Okay, verse 10, Matthew 5, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what is right. Okay, we're persecuted for what we are, the kind of life that we live. When we're living and doing what's right, give me your eyes, we're different. When you're living strong, you stand out, you talk differently, you live differently. Um, it's just the way it is. Go back to the first beatitude. Look at verse 3. Uh, let's just illustrate this. For instance, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, the world that we live in, uh, outside of Christ and God's book, looks out for who? My three favorite people. Who are the three favorite people of most, most people? Me, myself, and I. Okay? So they're looking out for themselves. And when we're looking out for others and we're humble, humble gets laughed at. Humble gets rejected. Humble gets mocked. Uh, verse 4, blessed are the, those who mourn, mourning over sin and its effects on this fallen world. The world today doesn't want to mourn about anything, much less mourn about sin. Is there really anything such as sin? Nobody talks about sin today. Uh, third, uh, verse 5, blessed are the meek. world says meekness is weakness. Okay, And the survival of the fittest, the richest, the powerful, win through intimidation. That's really how the world lives today. Okay, When we live out regularly the first seven Beatitudes, when we're living those out, you can expect pushback. When you start living strong for Jesus, and now you're rubbing shoulders with the unchurched Harrys and Marys, they won't like it. They will laugh at us. They will attack us. They will harass us. It's going to cost us something. Verse 11, uh, Jesus continues, God blesses when people mock you and persecute you and say all sorts of evil against you. Why? Because you are my followers. Three things we can expect. Live strong for Jesus, okay? Uh, from verse, the world's going to mock us, make fun of us, laugh at us. Second, they will persecute us, pursue and harass us, and they will say evil things about us. They're going to make stuff up. They're going to lie. They're going to exaggerate. Why? Because you're making me look bad and I don't like you. Jesus says, when you follow and live for me, that's what you can expect. People chase us, harass us when we chase after Jesus. I think that's easy that you can remember that, okay? People will chase us and harass us when we're chasing after Jesus. I want to pause for a moment, make something clear, okay? When we're punished by good people, when we do evil, that's not persecution. When we are lazy and don't work hard and talk poorly about the boss and get fired, I hear some people say, oh, I'm being persecuted. 
no, no, you, you were being a fool and you weren't living strong for Jesus. That's justice. But when we're persecuted by evil people for doing good, that's persecution. See the difference? Uh, the, the truth is, uh, sometimes we're being persecuted for being rude and crude and selfish busybodies. We're lying, cheating, gossiping, meddling in other people's business. Uh, and then we expect to be blessed for awful behavior. We're reaping what we're sowing, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Okay, let's pause one more time uh, for... Uh, another moment or two, let's talk about the last two years, okay? Probably shouldn't go here, Chad, but I'm going anyway, okay? I feel like the Lord had me. Uh, when we receive orders from our authorities that we don't like or agree with, when people who are our authorities are telling us to do things or you can't do things, and you not only don't agree with them, but you actually hate them, uh, we Americans, we don't like that, do we? We tend to bristle and holler. Uh, who are you? Uh, I'm living in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Who are you to tell me that I must obey? And we often equate that with persecution. I'd like you to turn with me. I remind you, I remind myself. Would you turn to Romans 13 just for a couple moments, okay? Because... I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many people are saying, we're being persecuted. We are. This is, this is persecution that we're living under. Okay? Let's start with Romans 13, verse 1. Everyone, who, who does this apply to? Everybody must submit to governing authorities. No exception to the rule. For all authority comes from God. All authority is God-ordained. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So, so anyone, verse 2, who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And they will be what? Punished. <laughs> For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear? Of the authorities, then do what's right, and they'll honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They're God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. Verse 5, so you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience, because this is God's idea. Oh, by the way, verse 6, pay your taxes. <laughs> it's like, whoa, Paul, what were you thinking? Everybody must submit. Now, just pause. Paul's writing to the church at Rome here, okay? Just go with me here. And he's telling the church at Rome... I'm telling you, you must submit to the Roman Caesars. Really? And specifically, you must be submitting, likely when he wrote this, to Nero. Okay? You can, you can Google Nero. What an awful human being. 
Rebelling against authorities that God has instituted were actually rebelling against God. Expect punishment. These are God's servants. Be afraid to disobey. Okay? Some of you are thinking right now, but, but there's an exception. Um, there's one. Unless the command is to disobey clear instruction from God's book. Acts 5.29. Other than that, obey. Submit. Okay? Uh, Christians, okay? Lest we get too far in the weeds there, give me your eyes. We should vote. We should petition. We should be influencing our government. Uh, some of you should run for office. Some of us should help shape policy. Yes. But God ordained legally binding government decrees that we don't like, that we don't agree with, are not persecution. They're not. It's not persecution. It's called God's given authority. And his command here is really clear. Obey. Submit. I promise you that the Apostle Paul, uh, much of what Claudius and Nero and Caligula, uh, I'm sure most of what they were about, Paul disagreed with personally. They were awful human beings. But Paul commands us to submit and obey even those authorities you don't like, you didn't vote for, you don't respect. Sorry, obey, submit, or you're disobeying God. So we need to get really good at this question, okay? Is this what they're asking me to do, what they're commanding me to do, is this a violation of of God's book? Is it a violation of scripture? Or is it just a violation of my preferences? Might I suggest most of what we're grumbling, me included, most of what we're not liking, it's, it's you're not asking me to violate my preferences, I just don't like it. It's not persecution if God hasn't forbid us to obey. I think I better say that again. It's not persecution if God hasn't forbid us to obey in his book. So if we don't like the sheriff, if we don't like the local school board, you listening? If we don't care for our governor, are you ready? Here's the solution. Vote them out of office. Uh, give money to the oppositions. Put a sign out in your lawn and do all that you can. Uh, we have that gift. I believe we live uh, where we have freedom to vote and influence what's going on in the authorities and who they are. Okay? I officially step off my soapbox, and now we're going to go to the book of 1 Peter. Okay? So turn with me to 1 Peter. Why? Uh, because inspired by the Holy Spirit, Peter wrote um, the book that's most filled with harassment, ridicule, persecution. Um, most scholars believe that Peter wrote shortly before Nero unleashed on the church. Okay, uh, If you don't know history... Um, there was a great fire in Rome, probably caused by Nero 
and his neglect. He knew the Christians weren't liked, didn't have a lot of backing, so he blamed the destruction, the burning of Rome in 64 AD. He blamed on Jesus' followers. And I'm telling you, he unleashed uh, some of the most wicked persecution ever. Peter writes to the church shortly before that persecution breaks out in 64 AD. Okay? Um, let, me, let me just give you a couple things. What time is it? Okay. Uh, he had thousands upon thousands of Christ followers imprisoned and tortured, and their only crime was they were chasing strong after Jesus. Um, he would dip Christians in pitch and literally light them on fire to be human candles as you rode into town, sending a message. Other times he had thousands of Christians fed to wild animals and crucified by the hundreds on the main streets of Rome. Okay, So, Peter is writing to people who are about to face the most brutal, the most heartless, the most wicked of times. Uh, they're dealing with trials and trouble and persecutions like most of us can't even imagine. Okay? But he's going to give you now his syllabus. How do we deal with painful trials? Okay? So I, I would say what they were dealing with is off the charts greater than most any of us. But here's what I'm going to tell you. It works in our painful trials too. Okay? These principles in God's book, when we're going through difficulties and suffering and we're getting some pushback because we're chasing after Jesus, these principles work for us too. So I'm going to give you five quick ones and then we're going to be done. Uh, first principle for dealing with painful suffering times persecution um, is First Peter 4 and verse 12. And, and literally what it says is don't be surprised. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. And isn't that, isn't that good advice? Don't be surprised. Last two years, lots of us were like, what is going on? We're surprised. And he just wants us to know it's common, it's universal. Life is full of trouble and trials. Plan on it, expect it. Write it down. It's normal to be going through these hard times. Okay? Um, in these last two years, although it's not been persecution, how many would say amen when I say, has it been hard and challenging? Amen. Has it been frustrating at times? Yeah. And I suspect, okay, you can give me your eyes one more time, if you want me to be a little bit of a prophet here, um, I suspect as authorities have gotten more comfortable with telling everybody what to do, I think trials will probably increase. And persecution, it may cost us for chasing after Jesus in the days ahead. So we better plan on it. Write it down. Expect it. Second principle for dealing with painful suffering times of persecution is verse 13. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you'll have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Okay, um, I'm going to tell you right now, 
this is a hard one, but we're called put trouble and pain and suffering in the joy column. Count it all joy. This summer we went through the book of Philippians and we learned that when trouble comes, rejoice because you're joining Christ in his suffering. Remember joy is not a feeling, it's a faith choice. Joy is not an emotion. It's Jesus, I know you're all powerful, you're all wise, you're always out for my good, you have a plan, you have a purpose for my life. Therefore, Jesus, I can present this difficult circumstance and trust you and I give it to you. And Lord, as I place this painful trial into your awesome hands, fill me with your holy hope and your holy optimism. And can I tell you, that's joy that Jesus brings when we do it his way. I trust you. I give this situation to you. Replace my fear, my anxiety, my pain, my frustration with your joy. Third principle for dealing with painful suffering situations. Uh, verse 14. So be happy when you're insulted for being a Christian. For then the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. <laughs> wow. We have, during painful times, the opportunity to draw upon the maximum power in the universe. <laughs> Think about it. Uh, I, got, I got this hard, painful situation, and now we run to Jesus, and the maximum power in the universe is Jesus in us. Do you understand that? Jesus in you, Jesus in me, his spirit alive and dwelling in us is where it lives. And now I know the difference maker, and his name is Jesus, and his spirit lives where? Point to where it lives today, right here. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it is. We have a good shepherd that during the worst days lives right inside of us. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why not? For thou art with me. <laughs> yeah, you're right here. Yeah. When we are in crisis and trouble, cry out to Jesus. Ask him through his spirit to take charge of your heart and your mind. Fourth principle, verse 15, for dealing with awful hard days. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. We already kind of dealt with this, okay? So much of the pain and suffering we experience, are you ready, is self-inflicted, okay? Much of our trouble, I would argue maybe most of it, we, we are the cause. It has nothing to do with us chasing after Jesus and getting chased. Fifth and final principle, okay? This is probably the most sobering, verses 17 and 18. For the time has come for judgment. It must begin with God's household. If judgment begins with us, what terrible things await for those who've never obeyed the good news, okay? He's telling us our trials, our pain, our suffering, it's temporary and tiny and puny compared, look what he compares it to, to those who've rejected Jesus and will face eternal judgment. 
So he's saying, yeah, it's not good for you, but you need to remember those who reject Jesus, it's going to be awful. It really is. What terrible fate awaits those who reject Jesus? Can I just tell you? Jesus' arms are wide open. Come to me. I took your place. I paid the price. I, I'm, I'm ready to embrace you and make you one of my kids. And yet many, I would even say most, will say, no thanks. I think I'm going to do it on my own. I think I'm going to live and be my own boss and be my own God and make up my own rules. And in doing so, they send themselves to eternal judgment. Quick summary. Don't be surprised or shocked. This is Paul's syllabus, when troubles knock. Put your trouble in the joy column. When suffering and pain appears, don't forget to draw upon the maximum power in the universe, the Holy Spirit of Jesus living in us. For much of pain and suffering that we experience is self-inflicted. Number five, trouble and pain grows us up. And let's just remember the terrible fate that awaits those who reject Jesus. People will chase after us when? When we're chasing after Jesus. Matthew 5.10 Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Bow your heads with me as we close. Lord, uh, thank you. Thank you for your book. It tells us things uh, sometimes we don't even really want to know. But you tell us anyway because it's important to understand what's going on around us. Lord, I want to pray for my friends who raised their hands earlier and said uh, they're going through some trouble and trials and these last two years have been hard. Would you help us, Lord, not to be shocked or surprised? Help us, Lord, to start preparing for trouble and suffering and even persecution. Lord, uh, we realize joy is a faith choice, so we choose to put it in the joy column. Lord, help us never forget to draw upon the maximum power in the universe, your Holy Spirit in us. Lord, help us to ask the hard questions, even is what I'm facing right now from you because I'm following you or is it the result of a foolish choice? And Lord, I pray that we'll never lose sight of those around us, our family members, our friends who don't know your son. And Lord, if there's anybody here right today, now today watching online here live, Lord, might we know that today is the day of salvation. We praise you, Jesus, for your arms being wide open, ready to save, ready to wash and cleanse, ready to take up residence and be our good shepherd. And if that's you today, right where you're seated, right as you're watching, you can, you can say, Jesus, I believe you are the only one who qualifies to be the sinless lamb of God. You took my place. 
I deserve to be on that cross, but you took my place. You shed your blood for me to wash and cleanse my greatest problem in life. I'm a sinner. You took my place in the grave. You arose from the dead, and right now, Jesus, I open the door of my life, and I invite you in by faith. Jesus, I'm ready to say yes to you. Ready to follow you, no turning back. Best choice you'll ever make. You can do that right where you're seated. If you're watching online, hit that prayer button. Let somebody know the decision you made. If you're here in person, make your way over to the prayer corner. We'd love to rejoice and get you started well in your new journey. Thanks, Lord. We love you. We worship you. It's good to be here together to study your book. It's in Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen.